Uh, I also don't find myself dropping pants at small children in the neighborhood either, so... Well, not today. Not yeah, today. I mean, that's... Yeah. I don't... I... The night's still young. This is whatever every show... Here we are, 18? Yep. What episode are we doing again? Um, um, yeah, episode 18. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, again, we're going to put most of it on the show notes and stuff, so I'm, I'm not really going to give you guys a, a summary up front, uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff on here. Best uh, I think we're going to save for last. Yeah, I, I, this is going to be a Star Wars episode, folks, so just get out your lightsabers right now. I've got mine out. Yeah. Me Eddie too. is really uncomfortable right now. Oh. Anyway, before we really get rolling, though, um, i got to give a special shout-out to my wife, who uh, today was officially licensed as a nurse uh, by the state of Oregon. So, good job, honey. Um, yeah, uh, I know you didn't want me to do this, but I'm going to anyway, and... Yeah. He's totally not going to cut this out, so there you yeah. go. Actually, as it happens, I have kind of a rash that I you know, could use an expert. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Congratulations. Needs a, he needs Good a job. salve. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, kind of some cool news for me today, too. I went and had blood work done over the week and uh, over the course of the week, and I got my labs back today, and I'm only just barely not diabetic. So <laughs> Nice. Um, the the cool thing though is that my liver is perfectly intact, so we're gonna see what we can do to take care of that well, right I now. I wouldn't have taken the over under on that one. <laughs> I know, me neither. <laughs> um, well, that actually gives me hope for myself. Then, all right, we're good. All yeah, because right. you started your whole fitness thing way before I did. Yeah, plus I'm Irish, so I mean, I think yeah. you get extra juice there, um, like extra strength liver. Um, all right, should we get to it? Yeah, man. Um, you want to? You want? You want to start with uh <laughs> Okay, let's let's go um let's go over to the Marvel universe first because those are going to be I think pretty quick ones. Okay. Uh so from the Marvel universe we have new cast members added to Luke Cage um as in the Netflix series Luke Cage and uh since I've already forgotten what they are, I have to open the link and read it. Since I didn't read it to begin with, I'm going to go ahead and do that now. <laughs> yep. Um, actually, we got some new old cast members because one of the announcements is Rosio, uh, Rosio, Rosario Dawson. Um, she's going to be reprising her character from uh, Daredevil. We also have uh, Simone Missick as Ray Donovan, um, which is going to be pretty cool. We get Misty Knight in there. Um, th- there's uh, lots of cool characters coming our way. Yeah, Shades. We we talked about Theo Rossi already um, in a yeah, previous episode, so. and uh, and Rosario Dawson too, I think. So, but yeah, I think that was when Bryce was here because I think I think Bryce has got kind of a thing for Rosario. Don't get me wrong; I mean that's a perfectly valid opinion. I think Bryce could probably watch the dance scene on top of the movies in Clerks Two, just over like, and over on repeat. <laughs> which I mean, I don't blame him; I could too. Yeah, because um, she's hot. It's super hot. Um, but yeah, so it's it's exciting to see the cast members get added to this uh, because I really want to see this series. I, I've never been like a huge Luke Cage fanboy or anything like that, but 
just what Marvel did with Daredevil. Like, I was never a Daredevil fanboy before either, but that show is fucking awesome. So. See, I really liked Daredevil, and I really wanted that to be good, and it totally met or even exceeded all of my expectations. So I have pretty high hopes for um, Luke Cage. All right, next up from Marvel U and from uh, more Netflix news, actually, we've got some set stills. we got the first set of stills from Jessica Jones, and I'm not going to lie, if I remember correctly, these are a little bit lackluster, nothing really to break the bank over. Um, but what I did see that I didn't know, and you Doctor Who fans, which I won't go into <laughs> hugely in this uh, episode. Um, but Barty Crouch is in it, yeah, Will Jr. <laughs> Barty Crouch, uh, otherwise known as David Tennant, uh, or Ten from the new Doctor Who series, um is in the show and uh that's cool because i really like david tennant so um i'm a huge 10 fanboy so here we I, go. I actually i'm not gonna lie i like the eccleston doctor yeah but really the only thing that's kind of kept me plodding along as i slowly catch up with doctor who is is the fact that david tennant fucking kicks ass yeah, David, Dave, David's uh, really made a great doctor, and I actually really liked him in everything I've seen him in. Um, you mentioned Barty Crouch. Uh, that That's certainly a fun role, and he did really well in that, so. Uh, I it, Yeah, and he was single-handedly responsible for killing Edward. Yeah. Nice. You know, so. Well done, sir. But, uh, no, my in, in fact, just a little segue into the Doctor Who-verse, I didn't really understand the doctor that he played until I watched the episode, the doctor's daughter. Oh yeah. And he almost kills that dude at the end. Yeah. I really just like in a blind rage, but then just doesn't because that's not who he is. I I really like, um, this doctor's characterization because, uh, you know, the, he, they call the doctor, he gets all these ominous titles like the calm before the storm and so on and so forth. And I think 10 does a really good job of portraying that. Um, which I, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the two parter family of blood? Um, second part i can't remember episode no okay cause that because that's got a couple of my favorite parts of the doctor who verse in it um especially from new who um and i want to talk more about doctor who i know we, were, we actually just started this with stills from jessica jones but i want to talk more about new doctor who except for i know you're not caught up um so new doctor who um i think we're on series eight a series for you british people um is eight or nine nine oh yeah maybe it is nine it's nine uh, because nine. matt smith was still eight yeah, nine just came out this week. Um, of course, featuring a different doctor, but it it's pretty. It was pretty pretty cool. I liked it. So um, I've seen a couple episodes with the uh, the new doctor. Uh, can't think of his name. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I'm drawing a blank too. Super well established character actor. Yeah. And fuck, I even know others. Like it, it, World War Z, you've seen it, right? Yeah. He um, was really good in that, I thought. He's he's credited as the Who Doctor in World War Z <laughs> because he worked for the World Health, Health Organization. I love so. it. That is the best thing. Little little um, bit of trivia that some of you may not have known. Peter Capaldi. Everybody. Yeah, Capaldi. That's why, it. why that took me so long. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, that was just kind of a segue from Jessica Jones, but that's because there was only a few pictures and that series isn't slated for release until... Well, no, that one's next, isn't it? That one's coming out before Luke Cage. I think that's correct. I think Justin yeah, yeah. Jones is upcoming next up. So slightly important, but still only a few pictures, so we really don't get a feel for. Yeah, what I kind of mostly put put that in there because I, um, I I did not know David Tennant was going to be in the series, and I saw him in there, and it, it had to go. And I think actually he's playing a villain in this series, which uh, also looks really rad. Um, I, obviously, but he nails it. He can totally do that. So um, I'm actually kind of happy to see that he didn't get totally 
stuck in the Doctor Who role because um, there's a lot of Doctors that never make it really past Doctor Who. So, um, but I think he's done fine with that. Yeah, well, I mean, and this is gonna piss some of you Whovians off, but I mean, if you if you look at some of the older series Doctor Who, is like it's not like the the acting was over the top good. No, it's only it's only been since they kind of relaunched the series with the the newer Doctors and stuff that they put a lot of focus into the the acting. I think um, that was pretty deliberate with Eccleston. Um, Eccleston, Eccleston, his his Doctor Who was different than a lot of them have been in the past too, because when he signed on to do it, he he was very adamant that he was only going to do it the one the one series, and that was it. And so they they were able to play with his character a little bit more because of that. Yeah, um, actually, I think I don't know if he originally planned on only doing one, um, but I think he just didn't get along very well on the set, and he, so he only did one. It was actually one of the disappointments with uh, Doctor Who fiftieth. Um, they got all of the new doctors to come back and a couple of the old ones, but did not manage to get Eccleston to come back because he still just doesn't want to play that character anymore. So um, doesn't want to work with that group of people, I guess. But anyway. Well, I mean, he was so good in the first G.I. Joe movie that, I mean, why would he ever? Oh, I mean, yeah, knocked it out. Of course. <laughs> Classic film. Classic. And film. that other fucking movie that I can never remember what it's about five minutes after I watch it, which is Thor The Dark World. Yeah, actually, he was really good in that. He was, uh, I but did, I mean, I enjoy that. But yeah, we had this discussion before, and I still we I, I said I should really go back and watch that movie. Totally haven't. I did. <laughs> still got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. For those of you that aren't in the room, I was shaking my head. Yeah, I forget sometimes this is a podcast, and you can't see me. Yeah, which means you can't see me do this. Yeah, it's our middle fingers, folks. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So that's our uh, Jessica Jones news and our Marvel Universe news. We've got some other... This is kind of a funny story. I just stuck in there. Oh, we're talking Voyager? Yeah. (laughs) Or Voyeur. Voyager. Um, I don't know how this even happened. There's very little information that I saw in this article, but uh, um, what's-her-face from... Kess. Kess from... uh, Where the hell did the article go? Kess from Star Trek Voyager was arrested for exposing herself to children um, in her out of her home in Tennessee. Apparently, it resulted from an argument with the said child's mother. Yeah, I'm wondering if she turned around and mooned him, and we just you know flipped our shit over that. Like, or not we, like me and you, but we like society. Uh man, did it just? I got the impression from the article, and granted, I read it several days ago, so. Oh. Two counts of exposing yeah. herself. But, I mean, I don't know if that there was be more two than children. one. Yeah. yeah. Dropped anyway. her pants before returning to her home. You know, it could be. It, from the sounds of it, it could be. But I don't want to um, disparage anyone by any oh. means. But Never mind. It seems like she's falling crazy. <laughs> Just read to the bottom. Yeah. Um. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Leanne appeared to... Uh, this is quoting from the article on comicbook.com. Uh, Leanne apparently denied the claims, but was naked when law enforcement arrived to confront her. They further claimed that she attempted to resist arrest and threatened to have the deputies deputies shot and killed before carrying her to her car and dressing her in clothes from the jail. Um, uh, Wait reports that Leanne has a criminal history, including aggravated assault, resisting arrest, evading arrest, and reckless endangerment on April 17th by the Harriman Police De- uh, Department. Ooh, also arrested in December 12, uh, in, uh, 
2012 for domestic assault. So I take it back. This is not societal overreaction. She's probably just a little bit crazy. Yeah. So I don't know how many of you guys actually watched Star Trek Voyager. She was in it for the first three seasons, I believe. And then she only made like a few appearances after that. She did not stay looking like Kess for very long after she stopped doing that show. And when I say she didn't look like Kess very long, I mean she got pretty big. <laughs> and um, Kess was kind of cute. I never really was like, oh man, she's hot. Because, you yeah, know, that's what Seven Nine was like for. She's got that uh, pixie look to her, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she really seems to have let herself go <laughs> since then. Um, and this is coming from a fat dude. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but uh, I also don't find myself dropping pants at small children in the neighborhood either, so... Well, not today. Yeah, not today. I mean, that's... Yeah. I don't... I, the night's still young. I'm not going to now, because I don't want to share a cell with her. Yeah. For sure. Well, this isn't Tennessee. I mean... I guess it's not a federal crime, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh, shit. Okay, um, so yeah, uh, please, by all means, check out the links uh, for that one in the show notes. Go to comicbook.com, check it out, and laugh at her, because we did. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, let's talk about Arrow. Um, we got some season four premiere photos in the show notes this week, um, which again, I don't think these are super groundbreaking, especially since we got the big costume reveal from Arrow season four, which made me pretty happy. Um, we do see, spoiler alert, Felicity alive and well. Um, we get some Black Canary in there. We've got uh, uh, the Wait, new was Felicity Red Arrow. supposed to be dead? Well, that's a popular fan theory is that somebody's going to die in, uh, in this early season. And I don't have this in this week's show notes. I probably should have put it in there. But uh, one of the boys, uh, Grant or um, Steven, Instagrammed or tweeted or some shit like that a photo... Of them both in black suits. Oh, as though maybe they were at a funeral or some shit. Yeah, with a fairly ominous caption of, you know, this is one of those that's going to change everything type of thing. Um, so somebody probably is going to die, and it's going to be, I would say it's going to be somebody reasonably important. Um, but anyway, some cool set picks. We're going to see a, uh, uh, the new villain in here, and I forget who it is. Adam Smasher? Sounds familiar. Uh, could be wrong. New villain. We get to see the new villain, which looks not entirely unlike uh, Slade's Deadshot, but dead. Fuck. Help me out here. Deathstroke. <laughs> Deathstroke. Thank you. Deadshot. Deadpool. I, I think I just fuck up that one every single time. Um. Actually, there's a lot of picks in here. Yeah, it's a pretty good album. Um, and there is some pretty cool stuff in here. Lots of uh, and again, spoilers. Lots of speedy. Lots of speedy. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I wonder how that goes. Oh, what's this guy's name? I always forget it. Me too. I was just looking at that picture. God damn. Some uh, guy... He was in Ten Man, though. Yeah. And uh, he was the bad guy in uh, Walking Tall with the Rock. Yeah, some guy who you're totally going to recognize, I think, also plays a villain in the, the this uh, season. And he's a really good actor, but fuck me if I can remember his name. <clears throat> um... And also, I'm fairly sure... Have we seen... Yeah, no, we saw this Canary Cry last season. Yes. But you can see the um, Canary Cry necklace, accoutrement, etc. on uh, Black Canary there, too. So So was Willa Holland, like, one of the most adorable people you've ever seen? And uh, 
you should check out her Instagram, which is really all I'm going to say. Just check out her Instagram. I'm going to have to do that. Um, I just want to take her home and like keep her under my bed. I hear that's frowned upon <laughs> in most states, but bring her out and kind of pet her gently. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, she is kind of adorable, but yeah. Um, check out her Instagram. Just saying. Okay. Enough said. I'll yeah. have to stock set up an Instagram, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, kind of gets posted to Reddit anytime she posts anything because, um, she's kind of super hot and she posts some rather, uh, uh, um, I don't, I don't want to say racy. It's Instagram. Flattering. Yeah, flattering photos of uh, of her. There's a couple of funny ones, too, with Barrowman in there, um, which... Which is, is hilarious because he's totally just, gay, so... Yeah, totally gay, but I think that's kind of why he gets... I mean, just check it out. It's 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 funny stuff. Um, uh, and plus Willa Holland. I will do that. Uh, we got more DC stuff. So the next thing is just a, a really cool collage uh as as done in crisis on infinite earths of every dc character that's been represented on screen either movies or tv that i've that i can think of i i actually was intentionally trying to come up with things that i knew existed that weren't in the picture couldn't do it yeah there is a few um omissions like you won't necessarily see everybody from the flash arrow universe like i i don't believe you actually see Stephen amell in here um the artist uh who was posted posted on Reddit, which is where I saw this, uh, stated that that was because he thought that the Flash was representing that universe pretty well. There's a big one on the large screen there, if you click all those tabs. Cool. Um, so I don't believe you see that, um, but you do see tons and tons of characters here represented pretty well. Like um, Jonah Hex, even. Yeah. And Swamp Thing. DC's actually got... I, I did not realize until I looked at this photo how much DC has actually been a part of the screen. Um, but they really do have a lot. Of course, there's like four Supermans here. So, you know, take that too with a grain of salt. Speaking of four Supermans... Newsflash. This wasn't really news to me. Um, yeah. But uh, Zack I, Snyder says that Donna Justice... Is the Man of Steel too? Which I think we kind of knew that, right? Yeah, I couldn't remember if we talked about this on the show or not, but um, I think this is actually kind of funny that he's actually come out and stated this in any way, so at all, because it wasn't it supposed to be Man of Steel two the entire time, and now it's just kind of morphed into the Batman movie um, slash Wonder Woman makes an appearance movie. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's like morphed into the, a Batman movie per se, but the fact of the matter is, is it takes so long to make a movie these days. That even though they announced kind of the when they announced the plans for this that this would essentially be the sequel to Man of Steel, that over time it it has kind of grown into this big juggernaut of Batman versus Superman with a dash of Wonder Woman, possibly yeah. possibly some Jason Momoa, but uh, yeah, I think people just kind of forget. Yeah, and I'm not one of those people because I'm totally a fucking geek, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. I, I have uh, pretty high hopes for this movie, but um, one is I would like to see a more proper Man of Steel by himself uh, sequel. So I'm hoping that sometime in the next, you know, five, ten, five-ish years, we get to see another Man of Steel, you know, flying solo movie. Would it be cool, though, if we had somebody direct it who believed that color was a, a important Yes, we may have occasionally cinema. brought up on the show that we do not think that the color saturation is quite turned up enough on the Man of Steel movie. Um, it, 
I don't know. Did we bring that up at some point? M- it, maybe it might have come up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that would be a cool thing. Um, you know, they've got a good direction. I think going with Man of Steel in this whole DC cinematic universe. Um, but he, I still do want to see a standalone movie. There's a lot of stuff that can be done with Superman that um, hasn't been done or hasn't been done well on the screen yet. So that to me. Sounds cool. Um, that said, I'm I'm super hyped for this movie. Everything I've seen so far, with the exception of uh, how hideous the Joker looks to me, which, again, this should be a relatively minor part of this movie, if at all. I mean, outside of cameos or, you know, you seeing it on TV in the movie or something like that. Should be a relatively minor part, but everything else so far looks to me t- to be totally awesome. So I don't want to get down on this movie because of that. Um but I, I, I find it hard to believe that um, the other characters are not going to steal the show a little bit here. No, no, I, I think you're on the money with that. Um, I was thinking of something because we do cover certain topics quite a bit. Um, occasionally. Occasionally, up. yeah. There should be a whatever we show drinking game. Oh, there should be. It's just called drink until the show's over. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we play that game every time we do a show. But... Uh, I think there should definitely be some some drinking game type rules though. Like every time I refer to dinosaurs in Jurassic Park not having assholes, you take a drink. <laughs> every time I, I screw up Deadshot, Deadpool, or uh, Deathstroke, oh fucking take a. a drink. Uh, you know this. This just sounds. We like, want you to finish the show, though. Yeah, so I mean, this just sounds like us conspiring against our listeners to get them alcohol poisoning. Um, bring. I would say definitely um, mentioning Star Wars. Uh, um, somehow unrelated to the main topic you know so when we diverge into some sort of star wars reference that's got to be a, a, a drink uh yeah take a drink every every time matter at a disparages man of steel's color saturation because <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll happen yeah a lot so um, yeah uh donna justice man is man of steel 2 it's the sequel um yeah again i think i'm kind of with you i think we've kind of um known that or you should have known that if you pay attention to the thing um but it doesn't altogether surprise me that he's saying this out loud because i think that it is kind of even the trailers and so far i i think it is really overshadowing uh superman in in it so far yeah i think we kind of live in an age though where we don't necessarily need to have quote unquote named sequels you know what i mean because you could watch iron man 1 iron man 2 and iron man 3 but you don't understand half of what's fucking going on in Iron Man 3 if you didn't watch the Avengers, because the Avengers oh, is part of that for real. character's canon. So, I, I think we've kind of moved beyond that. I mean, yes, the MCU does have Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Although that's the only one. Well, there's a couple that have had their sequels, and there They've are They've had some... sequels, but, but not necessarily like part two. You know what it... Captain uh... America... Captain America was Captain America the First Avenger, and then Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, so uh, I guess if you're talking about numericals in the yeah, the like, titles, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just kind of one of those situations where I don't necessarily think it has to be called Man of Steel 2 for it to be no, I don't. accepted as the sequel. I, what I really, I guess, would, you know, for me it would be what the content of the film looks like. What's the story actually about? Um, because there's a lot of ways to take a lot away from superman in this movie which would not make it a bad movie um it it would just i think be a little bit disingenuous to consider it a sequel to 
Man of Steel. So, um, but even still, like I said, it, it doesn't really matter what they call it. I just I want more Superman stories. Like the end. Don't we all? Yeah, pretty simple there. Um, Good Superman stories though. Yeah. Not shitty Brian Singer Superman stories. Yeah, sorry Brian Singer, don't do that anymore. Yeah. Bad. Bad. <laughs> Stick your hand up, Brian Singer. <laughs> um, was Brian Singer in charge of X Men three too? No. As in three also. No. Okay. Because X Men one was good, X Men two was good. I think I, Singer came back for Days of Futures Past, which was also very good. So Singer, I think, might have produced X Men Last Stand, but he did not direct it. And then X Men Origins, Wolverine, and First Class were done by different people. He he did yeah he didn't come back until Days of Future Past, and he's definitely doing Apocalypse. Which I mean, he's done a good job. It, yeah, like well, he's I uh, I'd say you know a third of the time he's directed. Yeah, what I I guess I would say if you had any involvement in X three, you should just feel bad about yourself. Um, x-men wolverine or as in um origins wolverine uh the wolverine movie i actually really liked um but the x-men yeah. origins wolverine movie uh, totally sucked um if that wasn't such a well-established character already it, it, they probably wouldn't have gotten to actually do a wolverine movie because it was pretty terrible yeah yeah and honestly i'm kind of the x-men franchise as we know it is i think wrapping itself up at this point apocalypse is cool because it's going to be set in the 80s and i i hope we get to kind of explore some of the maybe not necessarily age of apocalypse but explore some of what apocalypse really is all about but uh with hugh jackman leaving as wolverine i well, see a lot of recasting yeah i in, do too and future. i i think with days of futures past um I think they're doing a good job of writing that into the story. Like, I think we're going to get an in-universe recast. This isn't going to be like a, we got a new Batman uh, type of story. I think we may see um, in-universe reasons why some of these actors have been recast. You know, like, for example, having two Magnetos and two Charles Xavier's makes sense the way that they did it in X-Men because they they did that fairly cleverly. And they, they wanted to tell a story about the young versions of these characters, which are really cool stories and really i think a big part of the backdrop for the x-men universe um so it gave them a good reason to you know cast these younger actors who can now go kind of age with the role um and still leave open opportunities for cameos from from you know some of the guys we love like it's going to make me a little sad if this is the last ever uh, uh hugh jackman appearance we see and uh patrick stewart and, and sir ian mckellen can actually both of those guys are sirs sir patrick stewart sir ian mckellen can pretty much be whatever in whatever they want to be and i'll be happy with that so well uh this won't be the last time we see hugh jackman's wolverine because there is we, we do get a wolverine movie and a third one oh okay so that but but that's going to be his swan song as far as i know um and Man, I don't know. It, there's a lot of stuff going on with Marvel, but nothing that's been really talked about over the last several weeks since the last time we did the uh, we posted those videos of Olivia Munn. Yeah, um, it's Psylocke and uh, um, training and stuff like that. But I haven't heard Dick about uh, the Gambit movie. I mean, I think as far as I know, it's on now for sure because he officially signed a contract. Yeah, we talked about that. I think on the yeah, show too, but haven't heard anything since then 
So yeah, we're we're pretty early in pre-production, especially for the Gambit movie. Um, I look forward to hearing more and more about Apocalypse because we should be getting we we should start seeing more rumors of that coming up pretty soon, and and more stuff from the movie and so on. So yeah, lots of cool stuff. I think probably part of the other reason we're not hearing much about the Fox Marvel properties is um, <clears throat> Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, they're still hiding under that rock probably probably saying you know it wasn't that bad no it was that bad sorry guys i didn't see it yet still haven't either yeah uh, Yeah. is it on video now i probably should have gone straight there but it did yeah if it's not it's got to be anytime now i'll probably watch it when it comes out on yeah on i said video (laughs) dvd (laughs) that's digital Eddie's gonna buy himself a vhs tape of it yeah Do they still have real? I need it like a um, what's it called? Reel to reel. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might have to buy a VHS tape of it if you keep buying Lenovo stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about this on the show a little bit uh, a little while back, and I think our reaction was kind of along the same with a lot of people's reactions, which was uh, Lenovo. Uh, sorry, let's go back a second. Lenovo was caught basically installing spyware on their machines, and I think this is the ones that. Um, survived a full OS wipe. So I think the BIOS actually would install um, Lenovo's uh, uh, spyware, crapware, back on your machine, even if you did a full OS wipe. Um, and the reaction at the time was, well, it's consumer shit, and you buy on consumer shit, you're going to get you know shitty products from these PC manufacturers, which, first off, is just a terrible attitude for i mean like how much contempt can you have for your customers before they just don't buy your shit anymore kind of probably maybe explains the um how apple manages to still improve their even their laptop uh pc um similar sales while you know the rest of the pc industry has got its pants around its ankles i i I think the high ups at apple realize that by the time you're done spending three fucking grand on a laptop that you probably don't have any money left to buy whatever they want to pop up on your screen as soon as you turn the fucking thing on (laughs) so (laughs) well they're not that well first off they can be that bad pretty fast but i mean even let's this is a good point too apple's low end is a thousand dollars they're they're cheap their cheap laptop right now is the MacBook Air, and it's a thousand dollars. So we are talking about probably comparable product. The now not exactly comparable, but the Lenovo stuff um, we were talking about in the last few episodes is the consumer grade stuff, which probably ranges between four and eight hundred dollars. Yeah. But now they're doing it on the ThinkPads, and that just kind of makes me want them to just stab them in the dick because the ThinkPad line was one of my like absolute go-to this is a quality machine you can trust it it's got the thinkpad logo on it and a lot of people did lament a little bit that the um um, when ibm sold the thinkpads over to lenovo the quality decreased a little bit but you know this is the first sign that it's like okay well can't do that anymore uh just i'm writing lenovo off as a company and i'll buy somebody else's shit well and here's the part with it is even more just discouraging because in my line of work the servers are really where it's at and oh yeah ibm also sold lenovo the the server franchise as well so yeah i mean if i buy a server am i gonna get inundated with fucking bloatware and shit because that's that's dumb and you know what's even stupid about this lenovo you should really not have to ask this fucking question like it shouldn't even be a thing that pops up in your mind when you're in an enterprise environment thinking about purchasing machines for your enterprise environment um and that's a bummer too um 
because the Lenovo servers actually generally um, do pretty well. Um, yeah, because I am in the market for a new exchange server, and the way things are going, <laughs> it's probably not going to be Lenovo. Um, actually, this is kind of a, an enthusiast favorite, too. Um, Lenovo Think Servers, the TS440, uh, I want to say, pops up on eBay all the time for right around two, $300, which is a very solid purchase um, if you're looking for some sort of home server machine. Um, uh, but, and, you know, you're still fine buying that other than that. Yeah, no, you're still fine buying it. None of that money is going back to, to Lenovo. It's going to a third party on eBay somewhere. But um, that the, those machines are still pretty solid. But yeah, I, I just so sad, so sad. How the mighty have fallen was kind of my thought there. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I have a real hard time buying pre-manufactured computers anymore because of shit like this oh i can't stand it like um first off for my personal use i don't use a laptop anymore i don't really have a necessity for a laptop um i use my ipad that's my you know quote unquote mobile computing device right now which i'm not entirely happy about you can see this episode uh the last week's episode about that a little bit um where i talked about you know how the ipad pro announcement kind of sold me on the surface but um buying a laptop yeah it's just just sad it's just sad it just makes me unhappy like uh there's not really a lot of good manufacturers that do not like you don't like it, it's really sad to me that the standard practice when you buy one of these is to immediately install pc decrapifier and or just wipe the os and reinstall drivers yeah I, I, case in point man i my laptop is a samsung i, I think it's the I can't remember which. It's a book series, but it's a full 15.6 inch. Yeah. Um, it's super nice. It's got an i7, full touch screen, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's actually got a really nice screen on it. I, that was one of the things that stood out to me right away. But there again, it also is not running anywhere close to the original software that came on it. It's been completely wiped. In fact, it's got a different hard drive in it. Yeah. And... So it's it's running just the stock stuff, and I I did install a couple of the Samsung applications just because some of the uh, power management stuff works better. Yeah, but that's it. The so. one of you know this is kind of a crazy idea that I wouldn't have expected to happen because it would you know hurt too many things. But I actually kind of really don't a wish that Microsoft would do something to um, do a better job of policing these OEMs who are just doing absolute dick to their operating system. Like a lot of people really think that, that Windows is a pile of garbage because they have only the only way they've ever used it is with all of this bullshit attached to it. And Windows, the core OS, um, especially with Windows 7 on, has been really good. Mm -hmm. um, Windows 8 made some really stupid UI choices, but the underlying OS was really solid. Windows yeah, 8.1 it had, it had fixed a lot of It had some up tendencies when it came to like GPU usage and things like that. But yeah, that's true. It's not. It wasn't anywhere near as pronounced, and most of what people hated about Windows 8 was the aesthetic. Piece, oh yeah, so if virtually everybody, I think, um, that that probably did disagrees or dislikes Windows 8 doesn't do it from a technical standpoint they do it because it did really stupid shit like how do i shut my computer down oh it's easy you just use this obscure gesture that they show you once you're never going to remember because there's no reason to use gestures when you're using a mouse for christ's sake rub anyway, your screen right here no yeah. no no not there not right there. here yeah. oh there it is there's the charms bar yeah 
really um but windows 10 uh i've installed windows 10 on basically all the machines i used regularly and it works fantastically um of course i don't uh do the whole out of the box experience i install clean os's because i'm a nerd like that um which you know you should do if you can if you have the knowledge how to do please do because it makes your machine so much nicer which, uh, speaking of that, uh, any of you that are technically inclined that may not have done this yet or are thinking about it, I made a mistake the other day when I was upgrading my wife's computer because I put a, a really nice SSD in her machine and I was like, well, I'm just going to do the Windows 10 upgrade straight to this hard drive that's completely clean um, without doing the upgrade first. Can't do it because the upgrade is actually locked to your hardware in your machine. Yeah. So you have to do the upgrade first and then you can do the clean install to the new hard drive. Which really sucks. Um, by the way, Microsoft, if you're listening, you still have not figured out a reasonable way to do um, upgrades and licensing. Yeah, it, here's the deal, man. I, I'm never going to complain about Windows 10, mostly because of the fact that you gave it to us for free. Uh, and it's a good it's a good OS. But I, like many other tech-savvy people that I know, would prefer, when I do an upgrade like this, to upgrade it to a secondary partition or hard drive to ensure that it is completely stable before I commit my entire machine to doing it. Yes, I understand you put a rollback feature in it, but that doesn't fucking mean it's going to work right if the OS is crap to begin with. Yeah. Which it's not, but... You don't know that until you install and use it, and you don't want to do that on your primary machine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let uh, me put the operating system where I think it needs to be. This this is another problem. I actually had the same problem. My boss um, ordered a SSD for uh, one of the laptops at, at work, and I had to figure out how to get the. Um, actually, I think what it was was uh, ordered a laptop and through Newegg, and it came with a free SSD. Of course, it's a free SSD on the side, as in a blank SSD. So a, I had to take part like ninety five percent of the fucking laptop to put the SSD in there. Um, which really. Is, yeah, it's, it's a huge pain in the ass anymore. Um, this was an HP laptop, so maybe it's not like that for everybody, but you, like, you have to take apart like 10 screws. The whole bottom plate has to come off. Actually, a bunch of ones are like that. My Samsung's like that too. Yeah, um, it it's becoming pretty standard because let's face it, not a lot of people do this. But anyway, I had to do this, and you would think if you're getting it with the machine, you're gonna have to do this. And I immediately was like, well, okay, so how? What's the easiest way to get this over there? And I did know at this time that, um, clean install is not as simple as it used to be. Um, so what I figured I would do is just back up the hard drive using the included tools and restore. Failed, failed horribly. So then I was like, well, I'll clean install. And of course, that didn't work either. So what I ended up doing was finding a life hacker post, um, which pointed me to a uh, um, piece of software for cloning drives, which I had never heard of before, but worked wonderfully. Like one click. Was it Paragon? I don't know. Um, Paragon works nice. Maybe it was. Um, but anyway, they had a nice free tier and it cloned drives um, and it worked beautifully. So I cloned it over plugged in the SSD and it was good to go. But I mean, wasted so much fucking time um, trying to get the, use the Microsoft way. Um, so it, it seems a little pathetic to me because especially switching over to an SSD is a fairly common use case right now. Like it, having no plan for that. I, it, it And just moving your OS in general, like hard drives fail. Like especially spinning platter disc hard drives fail all the time. Like why they don't have a better recovery system in place for that just is fantastically stupid to me. Yeah. And I, I'm not suggesting that you put everything that you put on the market as a dual hard drive RAID 1 setup by any means. But No, but just a simple tool, like a simple tool. 
and, and to Microsoft's credit, I don't think Apple provides an easy way to do this either. No, it's not just Microsoft. It's <clears throat> but but especially with the SSD thing, it is incre- incredibly common to have to move to an SSD these days. In fact, that's my number one. It, like anybody asks me about what can I do to make my computer go faster, SSD is probably in my top three suggestions. Um, primarily probably being is it full of spyware uh secondarily being how much ram do you actually it's probably even ssd first ssd and then how much ram do you have you just start with the ram and then add in a tiny disclaimer that if you install every fucking toolbar that every web page you visit tells you to install that you're gonna have problems right old people we're talking to you take note yeah just because your computer screen says you have a virus and installing that toolbar will help. Doesn't mean it's true. Call, calling some number from Pakistan. Generally not a great idea. They, they, they can't help you with your machine. They're just scamming you. Anyway, um, given that this is such a common use case, I was kind of surprised at how difficult it was. Uh, um, or at least I perceive to be a fairly common use case. Granted, it's a little bit of a nerdy endeavor anyway, because I think most regular people probably just never replace their hard drive. And if they do, they take it to, you know, fucking Geek Squad or something terrible like that. Dude. And they'll sell you a two-pronged power block with a three-pronged power cord. <laughs> you, you saw that link to it. <laughs> uh, there, we, I think we both saw this on one of our friends' Facebook today. There's a, a meme going around. It shows a picture of a power brick from a laptop with that's got the two... Um, you, you've seen this on like every laptop ever. There's usually like two parts, the power brick, and then there's a uh, basically a dumb wire that plugs into the wall. And it's got a two prong power brick and included in the box is a three prong, which of course are not at all compatible. Um, short of, you know, like splicing wires and shit like that, which you don't want to really do that. But the best part is it's sitting on a top of a card, uh, about how, you know, geek squad cares and they, t- they pay attention. So you don't have to type. Yeah. They went to great lengths to make sure that you were buying a, a quality used product that would last you. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna last a long time because you basically can't use it. Yeah, um, works wonderfully as a paperweight, though. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, th- this is a bit of a digression. Um, but well, yeah, oh, kinda... I know what I wanted to say. Why, um, with how shitty PC manufacturers are getting, and how little I think it's actually doing for Microsoft, I, I really want to see them build their own machine. Like I know that's not typically their bread and butter, but with the Surface, they've shown that they they're willing to do hardware. Buying out Nokia and then, you know, doing dick all with it. Way to go, Microsoft. Uh, shown that they're willing to get in the hardware game. They really should probably make an effort to build a fucking decent Windows laptop because it's getting increasingly hard to find one. Desktops, too. I think I think businesses like enterprise environments, if they had a chance to buy something straight from Microsoft, as long as it wasn't fucking partnered up with Norton and oh yeah McAfee yeah, and every totally. other shit fucking software they can come across... Uh, I think businesses would be more inclined to buy hardware directly from Microsoft because it's, if they're a Windows environment, why wouldn't you? Especially given, um, you know, Microsoft's prevalence in the um, business environments. Um, I think that's increasingly, as time dwindles by and tablets and phones and things like that become more people's primary computing devices, I think that it's really going to be businesses and corporations that really is what Microsoft is catering to for the most part. Outside of certain divisions, obviously, they've got uh, consumer brands like the Xbox and so on. But with Windows and Office especially, <coughs> they really, really should do a better job of getting either OEMs to get their shit together or um, yeah, just consider 
uh, fucking them to begin with and just m- building their own stuff. Um, yeah, Google does this too. Um, Google does this with them. The, um, is that company? Motorola. Uh, Google's bought Motorola and they're in the same boat Microsoft is. They, they provide the software. They, they actually kind of compete with their partners in a way. Um, cause they're providing Android to, you know, their, their competitors like Samsung while still selling their own hardware via Motorola. Um, they seem to be doing that. I mean, the only funny thing about that is that Motorola, I don't think, is a top Android brand. Most people, I don't see a lot of people recommending Motorola. Um, since Google bought them out, their product has actually been a lot better. But uh, in fact, my next phone, if it's still kind of one of the one of the top dogs out there in a couple of months when I'm when I'm due for my next upgrade, uh, will be the Nexus Six, which is a Motorola phone. Nice. But it. Uh, Google does weird things with their marketing. I was I was uh, an employee with T-Mobile when we launched the Nexus One. Yeah. Uh, what a fucking clusterfuck. Oh, the Nexus One was the weirdest device launch. Like because we didn't sell it. They've gotten they've gotten quite a bit better with the uh, Nexus brand because um, the Nexus is sort of its own brand. Uh, even though lots of different device manufacturers have produced Nexus phones, um, Nexus is kind of its own brand and. Basically, what I read Nexus as when I see that name, I basically read that as code name for no bullshit. Um, you get updates when Android releases updates, not when your carrier of choice or manufacturer of choice releases updates. You Unless get the you're pure using the Samsung Galaxy Nexus through Verizon, which then means you, you get updates don't... never. Damn, that's that's bad because that that to me was a big selling point for the Nexus brand. No, it is, and it, you still didn't get the bloatware and shit, except for the um, Verizon did include their my account app which is fine because i mean that's actually useful but verizon seems really intent and this is one of the things that i think again android gets wrong with just bundling a bunch of bullshit with your phones yeah it's it's weird because as much as they're i, I don't know they, they're really trying to be progressive though because they, they've gone to the new verizon plan um eliminating contracts doing the uh yeah basically european cell phone model that's kind of what everybody's doing now. Like, uh, did we, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but it was really, really surprising. Um, again, being the Apple fanboy in the group, um, I watched parts of the keynote and of course read, um, you know, recaps of the keynote from, um, their latest event this, a couple weeks back. And they've actually released their own, like you can buy your own iPhone direct from Apple, completely unlocked world phone. Um, you know, just kind of the way that AT&T and Verizon are doing it, except for you don't have to deal with them at all. Um, and, and it's pretty competitive. I want to say it's like 35, $36 for the entry level phone, which by the way, baffling, absolutely baffling to me. 16 gigabytes is still the entry level for a smartphone in 2015. Yeah. It really should be 32 minimum. And it's $650. Like this is another thing that I think the Apple bubble gets wrong. Like you see some people defending this and saying like, oh, well you can't get the cheap iPhone. You got to get the next. Bitches, it's not a cheap phone. It's $650. There's plenty of Android competitors that are just dominating that. And it's increasingly stupid because it's one of the few things that the tech illiterate actually understand. Bigger numbers equal better. Um, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. People confuse with cameras all the time and automatically assume that if it's got 12 megapixels instead of 8, it's a better camera. Um, so why they mind the f-stop or the focus or anything like that. But, yeah. You know. So why they continue to you know be so behind on this... When, um, Anyway, it's it, that's not just them though, because I mean, the 
if you look at the top selling Android phones, uh, look at the the Samsung uh, Galaxy S6 or the Edge or the Nexus 6 or the HTC One. Those are all going to run you six fifty to seven hundred dollars easy if you're buying it retail. Yeah. So, um, what's uh, actually this is kind of a funny thing about Android that I I kind of am disappointed that they're increasingly adopting from Apple, which is their lack of removable storage like lots and lots more phones from android the android world are coming without um sd card slots and thing and things like that and that's really disappointing because um i think they're trying to go with the apple model and i i i think purely this whole 16 gigabyte iphone 6s is purely a nickel and diming they want to maintain the average selling price because um, if anybody says I want an iPhone, pretty much the first words out of my mouth is don't get 16 gigs. You will regret it within probably a couple of weeks. Yeah. This is only 16 gig, but it's also a first gen. Ironically, Nexus tablet. with my tablet, um, so I have an iPad Air right now and it is a 32 gig, but I don't usually come anywhere close to filling it up. Um, my phone though, my phone is um, a 64 um, and this is actually probably the real reason why they can continue to do this because idiots like me will just go ahead and pay the extra hundred dollars to get the bigger phone. Um, in fact, I'm I'm positive that there's almost no way that's not the reason because I don't think there's a compelling argument to be made that most people will survive just fine on a 16 gigabyte phone and never notice. But anyway, on my iPad Air, 32 gigabytes, um, and I, before this I had an iPad Mini which was only 16. I never really ran into space problems with my 16 iPad. Um, that's because though I don't take any pictures and almost all of my um, use of the iPad is sort of as a thin client to the web. Like if I want to watch videos and movies and stuff like that, I'm using Netflix, Plex, Amazon, etc. Um, if I wanted to view pictures and stuff like that, I'm probably logged into a third party service or viewing it through Plex or something like that. If I wanted, you know, and I don't pay, take pictures with my iPad. I, I'm just not that guy. Um, my my Nexus tablet only has a front-facing camera, so I take zero pictures on it, and it's a 60 gig. I do run out of space on it, though, um, or I did, because I would load it so full of comic books most of the time. Yeah, I was just going to check, because this one actually is pretty close to full. I've only got 5 gigs on the 32 gigs available. <laughs> That's because you have access to my comic library. I think probably I, I have tons of comics and i don't think i've since i've got the ipad and anytime i've added a comic to it i have not deleted it um i try and take care of mine though like in, in terms of that every time i finish a comic book i'll delete it because i still have it it's not yeah it doesn't live on the the tablet it lives in you know yeah whatever your so, server is or whatever but because of the <laughs> fact that I, I up until recently i did not have ready access to my comic book library wherever i was in the world um I would just put as many on there as I could fit because I never knew oh. if I was going to be around. I, when I, I still do that too because I'm impatient, and especially when I'm reading a particular arc, like all the comics I can fit on there go on there, um, so I don't have to deal with waiting for it to download, even though it takes like no time at all. So, yes, and un un unsurprisingly, um, one of the biggest chunks on my iPad right now is my comic book. Uh, library. In case anybody is wondering what the strange noise coming from the other side of the room was, that was my dog having a bad dream. Yeah. It's okay, doggy. So. So, yeah, now that we've segued 
way off the beaten path. And since we're way off the beaten path, I'm excited about something and I have to tell, you know, probably the only person who actually gets it or cares. Um, I've recently come into a little bit of money. Uh, so, I, of course, like any good nerd, I used it to buy more computer shit. Um, <laughs> this purchase actually is one that makes me really happy because it's something that I've been looking at for a really long time. Um, and is just kind of absurd when I start to think about it. But I bought a... Um, LSI 9200-8E HBA uh, to power a rackable SE3016. So if those were just a string of numbers that you don't get at all, the card is essentially a um, RAID device. Um, You don't have to use it in RAID. You can use it just as, you know, basically a way to attach more drives to a computer. And so what it's got on the back of it are a couple external ports. Um, And this is all rather new to me too. So if you're a little lost, don't worry about it too much because I was a little lost like a week ago. Um, but what it has on the back on the card itself, you know, just like a video card or something like that, there's a couple of ports, um, that attach to a, a, um, a storage expander essentially. So what it is basically is a dumb box that powers hard drives. And in this case, the rackable SE3016 is a 16 bay, um, um, front loading, you know, easily remove and change hard drives, uh, box, um, that fits into a rack. It's half depth, if I remember correctly. And the only real downside to this setup that I can see so far is that the rackable is a little old, um, which is also why it's a little cheap. It was only, I, I think, $140. Um, but it's only got a three gig backplane on it. So it's state of two speeds. So if you really need speed in your raid setup and shit like that, you don't probably want this storage expander, but I'm super excited because now I have an easy way to get drives into my machine. You're just using it as a standard file server though. It's fine. That's precisely. Um, and I don't, because I'm a little cheap with hard drive space, I'm not really planning on setting up a lot of raid because, uh, what I want right now is just as much space as my dollar can get me. Um, and most of what's sitting on my, my storage right now is not anything that's going to wreck my world if I lose. I mean, it would serve as a mild inconvenience at most, but like my pictures and shit like that so far are all backed up, um, you know, via uh, other methods and stuff like that. That's, you know, truly not replaceable is all backed up by other methods. So I'm not really worried about it for that. So, um, this is for me is just going to be a nice way to, um, cram more drives, um, towards my ESXi, uh, server setup. So how many how many of the the bays are you using right now? In my current machine, um, the problem I'm running into is that I'm going to I run out of SATA ports. That's actually not true anymore because I just added that little four port SATA card. So I've still got two more ports on that to go. But I think I've got five five drives in the bay right now. But didn't but. This is gonna. This is gonna give. It's a Sixteen, I will, right? Once I get this, yeah, I, I will theoretically have another eleven. Okay. Uh, um, to to fill up. So, I would I would set easily half of those aside. And 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 set them up into a in, in a raid six. Okay. Raid six is nice because uh, you do lose space, obviously, with any raid. Yeah, it, it's um, raid. But the way that it handles <clears throat> the 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 parity sectors on each drive um is such that so if you have one drive that fails all of that drive's information is is easily spread out on the other drives anyway so you just pop the old drive out put the new one in doesn't even have to be the same size nothing has to be uniform in it yeah and then they will automatically rebuild the new drive uh from the the information on the other drives from the from the parity sectors so um it 
I, I totally get the need for space because I've got a 10 terabyte setup in my rig upstairs uh-huh. uh, just for my, my desktop PC um, because I didn't want to not have 10 terabytes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but the, the my storage, my, my online storage, it, it's set up in a, in a RAID one, I think. It's just, it's just mirrored mm-hmm. so that I, because all that data is relatively important. So if one drive fails... It's ready to go right away. Yeah. But um, I do plan to move to RAID eventually. Um, and probably the next chunk of change I, I have will hopefully be to buy a couple or more um, uh, RAID, or not RAID, um, four terabyte drives to set up some RAID. The other thing I'm going to look into is um, running a ZFS setup. Are you familiar with ZFS? A little bit. Um, so ZFS is a file system for, um, that basically does a really good job with data integrity. Um, so one of the things that you don't know um, that you probably should be terrified of is that uh, most file formats and file or sorry not file formats most file systems have no data parity built in. So bits can flip here and there, and your data can get corrupted, and your file system doesn't know or care. Um, that's pretty true for basically all of the popular file systems you're using. If you're on a Mac, HFS Plus, ding, uh, ATP shoutout, um, is not, uh, um, um, does not have any sort of data integrity built in. NTFS does not, um, X4 if you're, uh, EXT4 if you're on uh, Linux machines, um, a lot of them come with EXT4, EXT3 out of the box, um, no, no data integrity. Um, I don't think ResearFS does, but I don't think ResearFS is on a lot of machines. Um, so ZFS is one of the main popular setups I know of that does do data integrity. And it comes in FreeNAS by default. Um, so you can install FreeNAS and get a fairly easy way to set up ZFS on your machines. You get data integrity and uh, FreeNAS, I think, in ZFS as well, um, support easy you know, setup of drive pooling and stuff like that with you know parity and all that good stuff. So. Here's, here's the other thing, too, and anybody listening to this is thinking about hard drives and whatnot. Buy a quality hard drive. Don't don't buy cheap. Um, Western Digital makes good drives, but stay away from their green drives. Um, I, I think we might have talked about this on the last episode, too, but oh yeah, we've both had drives, the, the green drives, that have gone tits up relatively quickly. They're not even that that old of a, of a thing. Um, but just because you can get two terabytes for 80 bucks doesn't mean you should. Uh, yeah, um, the green drives um, are definitely the budget line of uh, Western Digital drives. Um, Seagate has a comparable one, but I, I forget which line that is for them. I don't remember either. But they they really are like the very very budget, and I wouldn't put data you care a whole lot about on them. So if you know, I do use some green drives in my setup right now, and it's mostly because there's some data that that is there. But if I again, if I lose, I'm not really that worried about. Um, so I use them for that, but like uh, I think I think my Steam library is on a green drive, and the reason I'm not that worried about it is um, it's all in the cloud. It's all in the cloud. Yeah, if I lose that drive, I pop in another one, and I just download it from Steam. I I lose some time maybe, but I don't really care that much. Um, if you're serious, the red, I, red drives are pretty good. Um, red drives are nice if you're in an environment where the drive is going to be in use almost constantly. Yeah. Um, that's what the, the red drives are meant for. That's a lot of people use them in network attached storage because of the fact that they are basically spun up all the time. Yeah. Um, red drives are good for NASA's. Um, obviously the blacks, I, the blacks are like their enterprise grade, I think. Like, yeah. 
and uh, I've also heard good things about the Hitachi, um, which I don't think they call it a Hitachi anymore. It's HGST, and they're actually both owned by Western Digital. Yeah, H- HGST um, makes some pretty good drives. Uh, you know what I'm thinking of is the Backblaze, um, Black Backblaze, which is a cloud uh, backup company. Um, does a really lot of cool stuff as far as releasing how they build their Backblaze pods, which actually use, for the most part, consumer-available hardware um, because they, they really just need a fantastic amount of storage because um, I think their deal is unlimited backups for 5 bucks or something like that. Um, so they, they release their plans for how they build their storage pods, which is really cool, and you can get a ton of storage if you have, you know, say, six or seven grand to spend. Um at a really low cost per gigabyte so if that's your thing you know you're golden there but they also released their drive failure rates and i want to say hgst was on the tops there there was a couple of models of seagate they said absolutely don't touch and same thing with uh, wd greens wd greens uh they said pretty much the phone i i'm using seagate constellations in the nas right now which is constellations i've had good luck with uh we use those in servers a lot of the time actually because they're a pretty solid drive um, for not not a, a server that actually like handles a lot of processes. Obviously, this is again file storage because they're only a, they're still only a seventy two hundred RPM drive. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I think the best way to look at hard drive storage is probably with some sort of uh, don't don't say like not RAID as a backup, but um, especially if you're looking at downtime as being a consideration, uh, RAID's a good solution for that. But if you don't have, um, but just basically having a backup, um, it gets pretty costly in terms of time, especially once you get into the terabytes of data range. Um, like for example, I have crash plan set up uh, crash plan is another online storage company um, and you can back up whatever you want uh, um, to their cloud for I, I think I pay sixty dollars a year so what's that like five or six bucks a month um, it also does a good the other thing that's unique about crash plan is it easily allows you to set up friend to friend backup or you know computer you own to other offsite computer you own backup um, pretty painlessly so um, I use crash plan for the stuff I care about basically. So I'm not, I'm pretty well protected from drive failure um, for those things that are not already stored somewhere else in the cloud. Um, but you, yeah, definitely you need some sort of solution for that. If you're looking at reliability, just bang for your buck wise. Um, don't buy, do, don't buy greens and don't buy some model of Seagate that I'm forgetting. My bad. <laughs> Fuck. I don't remember either. Um, man. Barracudas. Barracudas suck. Uh, I do seem to think that's right. Um, yeah. With small exception, because I think the Barracuda is not just a... No, I'm thinking of the Raptors. No, you're right. Barracudas suck. Yeah. yeah. The Western Digital Raptors are the 10K drives from... Well, they were kind of the standard for running um, super fast raids, stuff like that, before SSD kind of took over. Anyway, now that we've taking a stroll down that yellow brick road. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you something to ponder, um, and that is that we are approximately 85 days away from Star Wars Episode Seven. And babe, I'm counting every single one of them. So. So hyped. Uh, so hyped for this movie. Uh, you guys go do some fact checking. Make sure that the math is right on that while we go get another beer. Yeah. When I was younger, but I didn't watch every single 
I didn't watch Monday Night Raw or Monday Night Raw every single week because uh, I didn't necessarily have access to it, and I damn sure didn't have access to the pay per views. Yeah. So, being able to kind of go through and and watch story arcs from its inception um, to its completion is kind of a neat thing. Case in point, we talked one point uh, at one point about uh, the Montreal Screw Job. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those moments where uh, you can't really call it life imitating art because it's basically art imitating life. Um, I just got done watching a different angle that was very similar um, with the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Um, wherein Kevin Sullivan was one of the head story writers, AKA bookers mm-hmm. for WCW back in those days. And he came up with this idea that Chris Benoit would steal his wife and the, the feud between the two would start. Well, Kevin Sullivan was so convinced that this angle needed to work that he basically told his wife and Chris Benoit, I want you guys to travel together. I want you to share a hotel room. I want you to hold hands when you're in public, that sort of thing. Well, he fucked his wife <laughs> and married her. And then, you know, of course, later <laughs> killed her. But, uh, God damn. Yeah. So, it, but it was, I just watched like the, the final match between those two, which was the quote retirement match for Kevin Sullivan. Um, and he, of course, he still worked for WCW. He was just, he was only writing at, yeah. at that point. But, uh, yeah. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like, uh, King of the Hill levels of like, uh, stupid, you know, like whole, uh, red, 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 uh, red, God, what's his fucking name? I want to say red corn, but I don't think Will that's right. uh, Oh, Chief Red Corn? Yeah, or whatever Dale, his name is. Dale and, uh, Dale's, Dale's son, you know, of course being red corn's son. Yeah. And it being really, really obvious. That's what was happening the entire time. That, that sounds like that level of stupidity when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's just really interesting to, to think that, or to know, you know, watching this now, you know, 20 years later that what actually was happening behind the scenes and what's going on on the screen in front of you. I'm like, man, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that Chris Benoit did eventually go crazy and kill his wife and kids and himself. Yeah, that 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 does suck. This is a nice little segue, too, because I'm and, and I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on it. But I just want to say it really pisses me off because Chris Benoit matches are some of the best wrestling matches that you'll ever watch in your life because they're so... I remember watching Benoit before I stopped watching wrestling, and he he was good. Yeah, like, everything that he does looks really crisp, and it just... He had a lot of passion for what he did. And there was a a time where I might have been like, even, yeah, he's probably my favorite wrestler. Um, But then, of course, knowing what he'll go on to do and did and everything he'll never be in the hall of fame because of it and uh, oh, no. deservedly so i mean that's you can't put something in the hall of fame that does something like that but um it's just it's disappointing oh fantastically so yeah i, I mean i remember hearing that and it being you know just sort of like a, one of those wild things but uh, especially in the history of wrestling there's there's a few black eyes in the history of wrestling you know related to stuff like not exactly that particular story, but a few just sort of like, uh, we don't, you know, talk about him at family gatherings types of things. And that, I think Benoit's going to end up being definitely like that. Like, well, it's, it's funny because, uh, there was a time when the WWE erased Benoit from their history. Like you couldn't buy a video mm-hmm. that he was featured on and see his match. They would be completely edited out. Um, the see, content, I, I don't like, I don't like when people do that and companies do that, especially too. like, 
No, and that's... History happened, folks. You can't undo it just because the guy turned out to be a dick. You know, like... It was a big surprise when they launched the WWE Network because they said that all of the pay-per-views and matches and whatnot would be aired in their entirety. And everybody was like, well, what about Chris Benoit matches? And they're, they're there. But what they've done is they always have milestones at the beginning and ending of each match. If it's a match that Chris Benoit is in, they won't put a milestone there. Yeah. So you basically have to look for a giant gap between and, and you'll know that there's a Chris Benoit match in there somewhere. Gotcha. But yeah, it's it's weird. Uh I remember when Stone Cold left the company under uh not good terms mm-hmm. for a while, and then you see like the news of of you know Deborah claiming that he was hitting her and on steroids and getting pulled over for drinking and driving and whatnot. And I was like, well, there's a giant black eye for wrestling. Yeah. And then I was like, and then later on, Chris Benoit killed his whole family. And I was like, okay, Stone Cold, I guess you're forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just forgot about that, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, and now Stone Cold is one of the top podcasters in the country. Yeah. And uh, probably hugely beloved still, I think, amongst wrestling fans. Yeah, I like the guy. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I, I guess we have the same problem with John Lennon. I mean, John Lennon notoriously beat the shit out of his wife, and you know, he's one of the most beloved. But music, he's he's the best Beatles, like him and George. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God. Okay. Um, we got to get back on track because this is we do gone little, off the rails. We do a little bit. So we gave you homework. It was Star Wars, 85 days. Um, it's not going to be 85 days by the time you hear this, but when we're recording it, it is. Totally. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is some lightsabers. We put up a neat little infographic uh, found on Imgur. Yeah, actually, this was linked to from Reddit, um, which is probably, I mean, if you haven't figured this out yet, this is where I find a lot of stuff. So yeah. um, the, the nerdier subreddits, um, especially the Star Wars subreddit and things like that, are, are still really good on, on Reddit. So I love running across stuff like this. Um, what this is, is some of the more popular um, um, lightsabers from the variety of different Star Wars appearances um, and talking about some of their characteristics and what makes them special. So... Um, for example, it breaks them down by color. So you see the different uh, blue uh, um, lightsabers. Not not all of them. This is not a complete list. Some people pointed out uh, that there were some that they were a little bummed didn't make the cut. Um, but in the blue group, we have Anakin. We have Obi Wan saber. We have the Ezra blaster saber. And then um, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. I'm sure. Kiatamundi. Kiatamundi. Yeah, I haven't really... I don't think I read that. Anyway, um, it's funny that uh, the the blue saber, Anakin's saber, is, of course, the saber that gets passed down to Luke in uh, um, Episode 4. And that this is kind of a funny continuity error that most um, you know Star Wars nerds have already spotted, which is, you know, this was your father's saber. He wanted you to have it. And then Obi leaves out the part where, uh, and by the way, he slaughtered tons of younglings and, and led a, a rebellion with it. Yeah. And he didn't so much want you to have it as I cut off his arms and his legs and I took it. Yeah. And, and said, you know, fuck you. Your son's yeah. getting this one. Yeah. Yeah. And left him to, to catch die. fire. Yeah. <laughs> on the side <laughs> left of a lava him to bank. Die <laughs> by fire. Um, yeah. You know, of the original trilogy, okay, so this is a digression, but of the original or the prequel trilogy, that scene, the end, the end of uh, Revenge, is is 
that one actually holds up. I think like that. There's 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 less. There's a lot less in in Revenge of the Sith that I hate. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in general. Um, although Padme looked hideous in several of the scenes, and I don't know why, because Natalie Portman's hot. Yeah, and there was a couple of stupid like Padme dying of uh, um, you know, remorse, broken shame, heart. broken heart. That that was that was painful to watch. Like, give me a break. Uh, Jimmy Smith's performance as. Bail Organa was a little bit painful, but I mean, yeah. he can be forgiven. Yeah. If you've ever watched Sons of Anarchy and you saw his character in, in that series, that that makes up for it anyway. So this is another one of those things that I think the new Star Wars movies going are doing well, which is I don't recognize hardly anybody that outside of the original cast, which I think is the way I'd want it. So yeah. Um, the we, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we're, we got lots more lightsabers to look at. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a, a couple of interesting factoids as far as like how the sabers were built in real life. Um, we see some green sabers. Uh, you see um, Qui-Gon, Yoda, Luke Skywalker, and Asaka Tano um, from the Clone Wars. Ahsoka? Asaka? I don't know. Again, I, I don't I remember watch watching Clone Wars. Clone Wars. I probably should because I think that's fairly relatively well liked. Um, but anyway. I've heard good things. I just haven't watched it. Um... This is another thing that I I wasn't sure that I quite liked about the um, Yoda saber um, is that I don't think that it should have been a big deal. Like, I don't think that flippy Yoda was the way to go. I think that all-powerful Force Master Yoda should have been how they rolled with that one. Yeah, I didn't hate that, though. I mean, it was neat to watch, don't get me wrong, but um, I think the thing about Yoda is that he just is master of the Force. And granted, that's probably how he could do all the flippy, you know, spinny, like a top bullshit, but... Here's here's what I'm gonna say about that. Hayden Christensen's dialogue delivery was so fucking dry and pathetic. They better do something awesome here. The only lines that he delivered that kind of felt like they were sincerely delivered was when he talked about being able to rival Master Yoda at some point. So I'm okay with the fact that they did that shit with Yoda just because it gave Anakin some dialogue that wasn't complete fucking garbage for five seconds. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, we see the reds, which of course, red being the color of evil moves us into the Sith sabers. Uh, we've got Darth Maul, Count Dooku, Sidious, and Vader, of course. Um, and also the Inquisitor from the Rebels. We've got Asajj, uh, Ventress. That was in the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game. Kylo Ren's saber is in here. And we've also got Savage, um, Opress. Opress? I don't know, whatever. Um, there's a couple of interesting things I think about this. Um, one... Uh, they lost the original prop used in A New Hope and Empire um, for the um, Vader saber, which could you imagine being at your mom's house or something or your grandma's house and you open up a box and you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, this looks a lot like the Vader saber. Uh, yeah, I'll hang on to that. Yeah, somebody lost it. Somebody else found it and is literally sitting on a fucking gold mine right now. Yeah, and they probably don't even know it. I, I want to. I want to bet. I hope that that's what it is, because I really hope that it didn't end up in a dumpster. Because somebody's like, "Well, what's this piece of shit that you know?" No, we're never making these again. Yeah, <laughs> fuck this movie. Uh, <laughs> we of course see the Darth Maul saber, which is I think the first time that we've really seen uh, creative saber usage on screen. Um, this is actually one of the things that. 
I actually thought was really neat about um, the prequel trilogy was them giving the Darth Maul uh, dual saber, which is of course actually two pieces. That's why, um, and this is this is in the thing. Um, that's why when when that got cut in the fight um, between Qui Gon Qui Gon and um, Obi at the end, how it still worked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bummed again. I think they really misused Darth Maul, and that could have been a lot cooler. Um, Dooku's lightsaber. Uh, it obviously had an interesting shape when I first saw it on screen, but this is, um, I didn't realize this is why it's meant to portray something more like a rapier, um, uh, uh, handle down to the claw like guard, it says, which was cool. And then, which, which for those of you who don't know, Christopher Lee, who played Dooku, um, was a hugely famous character actor. Yeah. Um, did a lot of swashbuckling pirate movies, things like that. Um, before there was color. Yeah, Chris Philly, absolute movie badass. I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the greats. I think. Oh, for sure. Um, Sidious's saber. I really like Sidious's saber. And somebody posted in the thread, and I I hope I can go fi- back and find the thread for this post. But somebody posted a better uh, render of what Sidious's saber looked like, and. Uh, this is sort of interesting because where most of the sabers look rather industrial and almost like pieces cobbled together because they kind of are, um, depending on, you know, which side of the force you're on, uh, uh, Jedi, for example, build their own sabers. Uh, Sidious is, is absolutely a piece of art. So, um, I thought that was interesting and maybe a little bit, um, sort of emblematic of Sidious as a character. It's got, you know, the, the, um, you know, making it a pretty thing is sort of like, uh, I think a little bit egotistical, you know, like, of course he wouldn't use, you know, a junky looking saber because kind of, kind of falls in line with the whole Sith. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'd previously seen this, but this is widely theorized. Um, Kylo Ren, whose saber we have only seen in action in uh, a few Instagram posts and some teaser trailers, um, the, this infographic calls it out is an imperfect model. Um, the blade and crossbar, uh, crossguard appear to be distorted and unstable upon activation, which again is something that I think really looks cool. And I really hope is, um, again, how they tie it to the character a little bit. I really hope that, uh, Kylo is a little bit unstable himself. Yeah, and you can kind of see in the rendering that they've got here, there's kind of a wire, like a lead that goes from the bottom of the saber up into the Yeah, and if I recall correctly, chamber. you do see that in the actual, you know, like, uh, pictures that you see um, from from the movie itself. This this gets the feel, much more like the feeling of just being a quick and dirty, sort of. The nice thing, it has dual D-sub, so if he wants to hook it up to a couple <laughs> monitors, looks like he can. Yeah, I mean... The, the color the color is a little off feels a little warm but you know uh anyway the the kylo saber i really 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 like like the way that that looks on film that we've seen so far um so that that is something i'm incredibly excited about the we've got a variety of other sabers um so we've got mace window mace was uh one of the only, you know, off-colored sabers, he, of course, famously got the purple saber, saber uh, the violet blade, rather, um, which uh, uh, George Lucas permitted Samuel L. Jackson to have. Um, Wasn't there yellow sabers? 
there is in games and other things like in the force unleashed game you can collect a variety of different crystal colors and they do different shit for your saber like some of them do do more damage some of them help you regen uh hit points for or force powers more i thought that there was yellow sabers in the arena scene in uh, on the battle of geonosis in episode two see i thought so too but then i'd have to go back and watch episode two to find out well, I guess we're going to have to do that. But it's, it says in the infographic, uh, this is the only saber that's not blue, red, or green in the films. So, um, it is a fairly unique saber. And I think either, any way you slice it, uh, Mace's saber is fairly unique to that character. And just in general, you don't see a lot of uh, different colored saber, sabers in the thing. But to Matt's point, I... I I, I really seem to think that I remember seeing yellow sabers in, a, in the movie, too. Yeah, I thought I did, too. But, I mean, if we go back and watch now, are we going to know if that was the way it was originally theatrically released, or did they change that on a Blu-ray release? Uh, that's a good point. God damn it, George. Yeah. Um, um, the other one we see is uh, Pre Vizsla Sailor, a Dark Saber, um, which I hope that something like this makes a film appearance because it just looks neat. Um, I really like the 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 white or the dark saber, and um, also interesting because it's got the flat flat blade. It looks a lot more like a katana than the saber does. Um, the typical sabers do. And then finally, we've got finishing off with um, Tano's white lightsabers from uh, Star Wars Rebels, which again the these I love the hilt shape on these, um, and they do kind of inspire more of a um, classic dueling. You know, real life saber type of. Look They're uneven. Yeah. I like I like the the fact that they're white to reflect her non affiliation with the Jedi. Yeah, this is another thing that I don't think we ever see in canon now because most of the things are not canon anymore. Um, there there were some groups non in the old ex- expanded universe. There were not. There were force users. However, not affiliated with either the Sith or the Jedi. It was the the witches of Dothamir. Yeah, that weren't directly into the whole light dark thing, and maybe more thought about being a um, you know the the Force as being neither light nor dark, good or evil. The character a, of Mara Jade was a big example of that too, because yeah. she was part of the Thrawn trilogy, and while she was the Emperor's hand at one point. Um, she ended up a bounty hunter and not not really a good guy or a bad guy um, until later on when she did become a Jedi. But Which I think is a cool idea that I hope we see explored in the film somewhere um, or films somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that has me really excited for the future is I think we're going to get a lot more Star Wars action than we have in the previous, you know, 10 years. And a lot more Star Wars action that, that we want to see. Um, and I'm excited to see where they go in, in the expanded universe arenas, like stuff like that. Um, because I, I really hope that they don't do away with everything because not everything is bad. I mean, I get like a whole like new 52 style reboot. So you don't have to have all of this back knowledge of everything that's happened in the last 30 years. But, um, a lot of that stuff was really cool and, and ideas I hope we see on screen at some point. I wouldn't be sad if Disney actually like, mm maybe there was a horrific fire and episodes one, two, and three were lost forever. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy would be like, I have the Blu-ray still. And they'd be like, no, you don't. Lucas would be like, I've got the original prince of yeah. my ass. Yeah. You, you would just see pew, pew, Blu-rays shatter. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck Lucas. Anyway, um, sorry, sorry, George. Yeah, I'm not. That that kind of yeah. brings us to um, the meat and potatoes of this episode, and to any of you who have sat through our 20 minute diatribe about <laughs> technology, I apologize because yeah, this is probably what you were actually listening for in the beginning. Um, and when I say probably, I mean specifically i know my brother's really paying attention to this part right here so yeah um it has been announced that disney is going to be re-releasing the theatrical cuts of the original trilogy on blu-ray um not only that but probably to coincide with that i believe they're going to release them in theaters as well that sounds amazing first off is this not the biggest fucking new coke move you've ever seen like we get 30 years of shitty recuts, or I guess it's probably only 20. Um, I think the last time that... Has the original theatrical cut been released outside of VHS? No. Okay, so yeah, we've got like 20 years of uh, quote-unquote new Coke that's better and even, you know, wonderful, and then uh, it sucks, actually, and so they bring back old Coke, and everybody's going to buy that shit for like the 14th time. So here's... Don't here's, get me wrong. I'm going to, too. Cause... Here's where the fanboys are going to argue with me. The DVD releases, they did release a quote-unquote theatrical cut on DVD uh, well after the special editions were released on DVD. However, uh, Lucas claimed at that time that the original prints had been lost and all they could do was basically um, scrap together what they could of the original ones and leave some of the special edition pieces in there. Um so technically, uh, that's to me, that's not the theatrical version. Yeah. Um, this, from what I understand, and from the the tone of the article that I've read, is this is actually a deal that's been worked out with George Lucas um, and Disney for them to be able to do this because I think Lucas had originally kept the rights to the the original cuts. Um, but I guess not anymore because they're gonna they're gonna do it, and I for one will go out and spend another however many dollars I need to to get another Blu-ray set just so I can watch fucking hand shooting first. Yep, uh, same. Uh, it actually kind of really pisses me off because I think that this, uh, you know, I I don't know. I there there are parts of the um sort of recut versions that we've gotten so far that aren't terrible like where they do little things to touch up the effects but you can still feel the feel of the originals doesn't bother me so much where they completely add scenes that take me out of the movie because it doesn't make it doesn't look the same at all you know it, it's like having your three-year-old draw a thing and then um and then having a professional artist splice in a couple of scenes it, it looks so obviously different that it kind of takes me out of the movie that shit bothers me but the biggest things that bother me were the the hand shot first thing. I mean, you don't change the story. I mean, you lose a big part of what makes that such a good scene and what makes up that character. And that's what makes me mad about not because this Han long Solo was like a roguish character. Like he wasn't necessarily a good guy, but he, he I mean, or he wasn't necessarily a bad guy, but he wasn't a good guy either. Right. And. Like part of what sets the tone for that is that beginning scene, not beginning scene necessarily, but like the the kind of the introduction to the Han Solo character is, hey, I'm a bounty hunter and I found you and I'm going to turn you in unless you pay me more money. And then all of a sudden now I'm dead because you shot me. Yeah. Oh, well, yep. you know, and that's that's it's left to the audience in that in that case to decide whether or not that was the only way to have handled that situation. Um 
and it sort of leads you to what kind of character Han is. Like, yeah, it, it is such a quintessential moment in his character development that it, it to me is just egregious that they took it out and changed it for so long and that we've had to wait so long to get that original cut. I mean, there, there are other differences and things that they've done with the um, recuts and things like that outside of the theatrical um, that are pretty bad. But if, if you want a quintessential example of why I'm so excited to see the, the actual theatrical cuts come out, that's probably the one. Well, and here's the deal, man. Like, you're not being politically correct by doing that um spielberg's tried it too if you ever watched the special edition release of et on dvd uh when they were toward the end of the movie when they're chasing the kids throughout the the little neighborhood and stuff yeah originally the guys that were chasing them had guns in their hands and they digitally replaced the guns with walkie talkies See, that's another thing that I hate. Actually, I think Disney of all, and maybe this is why we finally get this now that Disney owns uh, Lucasfilm. Disney has actually taken a pretty good way to handle this, and I think, I think, and that, and so what I'm talking about here is some of the old Disney cartoons had some what we would consider unbelievably racist things in them. Like if you go watch the original Peter Pan, pretty much everything to do with the Indians, which of course should be you know Native Americans if we're being politically correct. But, I mean, they're just the absolute biggest stereotype um, racist thing you, you can imagine about Indians. And I think Disney took the right approach, which is uh, before the film, they put up a little disclaimer that says, look, we know some of the shit in this movie was wrong. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. Um, but we also don't believe in erasing history. So we left it in. Just, you know, keep that in mind when you're watching the movie. Um, I think that's the way they should handle it. Um, there's, there's some even worse stuff. I mean... Uh, uh, not necessarily worse. It's probably the same, but th- there's you know um, other things like that with black people and so on in uh, earlier Disney cartoons and stuff like that. Um, and I I really wish that that was the way that they handled it. Um, but even with E. T. Like taking out the guns is just a you know well and not uh, to get our, political put on your man pants you know like yeah not to get political about things uh, by any means. But it's when we erase history and replace footage and movies that are fifty years old that. We're setting ourselves up to be in a position where we kind of live into the old adage that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Oh, yeah. I actually really, really like um, one of the things, even going back and watching some of the, watch some of your favorite movies from the 80s. Like, I remember I used to watch Gremlins when I was a kid, Um, you know, four, five, six-ish, somewhere in that range. I watched Gremlins and the Gremlins sequel, which wasn't nearly as good. Um, But I'd never fucking let my my kids watch that movie today. Like... It would scare the shit out of them, um, which, you know, is fine. It's just it's interesting to me to go back and see the differences in the way that we did things then and the way that we do things now. Um, if anything, actually, it's kind of an argument that I probably could lighten up about stuff like that because it's not like I've turned out totally fucked up. So yeah, my, watching my kids like Gremlins. Yeah, it's good. It's a funny movie. <laughs> I think my, my kids are just kind of wieners. They get all scared about that stuff. So. Um, but not even just stuff like that. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. If you go back and watch movies from the 80s, uh, John Hughes has a whole bunch of stuff in there that we would just never touch in today's movies. Um, gosh, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, Anytime. that's the other thing, man. Like, so Breakfast Club, maybe it portrayed stereotypes. Like, in an age where we get offended about everything, like, are we expected to go back and change Emilio Estevez's character to not the quintessential jock? Yeah. Just to not offend somebody? No, we're not going to do that. And who's going to touch John Hughes' library anyway? Yeah, we already said you can't do that. Yeah. Episode 15, folks. Uh, um, God. 
You're way better at this shit than I am. I don't fucking remember what episode that was. Because <laughs> uh, uh, actually, it was just going through it for something earlier. But anyway, yeah, we're just going to pretend like I'm like a ninja Jedi with that stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't, I do not like the practice of digitally re-altering movies in general. Um, especially at the in the in the cases like this one where you just cannot fucking get the original movie. Well, and okay, here's here's the thing. Like I've listened to a lot of different people talk about George Lucas and what he's done with the original trilogy and how he's raped our childhood, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's my opinion, of course. But um, I listened to a conversation with Kevin Smith pretty recently, wherein he talked about how, look, these are George's movies; they're not ours. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's a that's a debate for a different day, but. Um, he basically put it in perspective as he is a filmmaker. If he were to make a film and did not for whatever reasons, whether it was budgetary or just, we didn't have the technology to do it or what have you couldn't make the movie that he wanted to make. Would he be satisfied sitting there for 20, 30 years watching something that he felt was incomplete the entire time? Or would he take the opportunity when he was presented it to go back and make those changes and actually create the movie that he wanted to create in the first place? Um, that's a valid argument. Um, yeah, that's a valid if, argument. If you if if you dismiss the fact that okay, I doubt that newbacks were something that he had envisioned from the beginning. It falls down pretty quickly because while some of that's true, like the one the picture the the scene that I'm thinking of is I want to say there's a um, uh, CGI in the special editions of like. Uh, um, x-wings flying near yavin or something like that and that to me okay that's one of the scenes that take me out of the movie a little bit because the effects are so different um that i don't like it but i could see an argument for that um where i don't see an argument is when you change the content of the film like when you change something like uh hand shot first when you take out the guns in et like that was in your fucking original vision you asshole like that that you had walkie-talkies in 1980. There's not the, you could get fucking walkie-talkies back then. It's not like it was. I imagine they the were cheaper than digitally replacing them later. Yeah, um, like the when when you go back and you know sort of uh, uh, retcon history and say, oh well, that wasn't in my vis- original vision, and and he really should have shot second. Well, well then why'd you fucking shoot it that way, asshole? Exactly. You could have done that. 30 years ago like there's nothing stopping you from doing shit like that like if you're talking about digital effects or something like that yeah there's some touches like i'm sure this is you know go back to our our good cgi bad cgi conversation i'm sure there's plenty of things in the special editions that i don't even fucking notice and i probably won't until i watch them side by side because they're actually well done enhancements to the original film that i'm fine with um, what I don't like is, like I said, when it takes me out of the film because it's so radically different, or B, when you try to go back and retcon history, um, like you just don't, just don't do it. Like we get that you're a different person now, but that's fine. Like some of that shit you have to leave alone. Like I could go do that with our podcast right now. I'm sure there's stuff I'm going to listen to in 20 episodes and think, God damn, did I really say that in yeah, front like of the entire first episode? I listen to that sometimes, and I'm like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> like, wow, yeah. Um, it. I look at it like this, and this is my argument to Kevin Smith's argument, and that is, it's fine if you want to go through and make those changes. By all means, go through and make those changes, but don't remove the availability of the version that your 
primary fan base grew up with and knows and loves and wants more than anything in the fucking world yeah. to own. I mean, I guess there's a little bit, uh, I don't know if you've ever read, there's a piece um, that uh, Neil Gaiman did called uh, George Martin is Not Your Bitch. Um, George Martin being the author of the uh, um, A Song of Ice and Fire um, also known as the Game of Thrones series. Right, for those of you that have been under a rock or something. Um, the the piece is basically defending George Martin because he doesn't have to write you another book. Like, he's not your bitch. He doesn't have to write you another book. He doesn't owe you anything. The contract was you give him $10 and he gives you a book. And you did that and, and he gave you a book. And so the end doesn't have to finish the damn thing. But still, you know, like... The, the dude is sitting on a mountain of treasure the likes of which would make Smog jealous at yeah. this point. So, like, and, he doesn't fucking have to do anything ever again if he doesn't want to. And so we're going back to, and how I relate this back to Lucas and that stuff is, it's his movie. I mean, he can change whatever the fuck he wants. He doesn't have to provide availability for any of this. But, like, he shouldn't be surprised at all about the backlash of it. Like, we all love that movie. He should, if anything, I would like him to recognize the fan base's opinions on this particular thing because the fan base is overwhelmingly in favor of, uh, I, I think, uh, um, the original cuts. Well, having he, the original cuts available. He's such a fucking child sometimes, too, because, like, about the only huge complaint to episode three that you ever hear is the Frankenstein ending with the no! Yeah. Fucking stupid. Everybody knows it's stupid. He knows it's stupid. But instead of saying, you know what? Yeah, it was probably a bad decision. Yeah. My bad. Instead, he goes and remasters the movie, the original trilogy for Blu-ray and includes no at the end of Jedi <laughs> when he's throwing the Emperor down the fucking shaft. Yeah. What a fucking child, man. Yeah. So, anyway, George, George Martin is not my bitch, but... It is, but you, George you have Lucas to expect, is a bitch. You have to expect expect disappointment when you set up a thing, you know, like George Martin did with, um, you know, the cliffhangers and, and telling a good story and then not telling an ending. You have to expect some disappointment with that. Um, in the same way that Lucas should have expected disappointment with us not getting an, a, a theatrical cut for the last 25 years or something like that. So, um, yeah. About time. I mean, that that's my, my summary of the, this whole news. It, it is about fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. Um, this is off the subject, too. Because um, I think we've kind of covered the, the Star Wars stuff to death. Um, and I don't want to go too, too long. But I did come up with an interesting question that I, I, I wanted to ask you. Because I'm not sure um, where you sit on this. You're overall, you're a pretty, you're a fan of the, uh, the new, uh, the new timeline for the Star Trek movies, right? Yes, actually. Um, yeah, well, yes and no. Um, first off, I like the movies. Uh, I think they're well-made. I, I, I like the movies. They managed to do a lot of things really well in the movies that said they don't. And I've actually kind of said this, and I think on the podcast before, I think JJ Abrams made a better start. Star Wars movie than he did a Star Trek movie with this recent incarnation because one of the things about Star Trek that I liked is that um, Star Trek explored a lot of social themes and it was a lot more um, introspective and and just generally slower, not blockbustery the way that um, the new Star Trek is. So, however, 
I'll give him that. I, I guess I'm just saying I, when we go back, I want to see Star Trek back on TV and I don't want it to turn into a big blockbuster type of show like that. I want to see it more like uh, the next generation is probably what I'm talking about here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would you know crucify me for not uh, liking the original series first, but the next generation is just a uh, look, magical piece of film. The original series is what it is. It set the stage for what the next generation did. But I mean, if you look at the right. writing... Um, if you look at the acting, yeah, it's it's bones. Yeah, there's a lot Can of. Can I fuck it? Yeah, it's dead, Jim. Bones. That's <laughs> not what I asked. <laughs> there's a lot of. Tropes. Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a matchmaker. There's a lot of tropes that we get from the original Star Wars, um, because they're so hilariously terrible in today's world. Uh, so. Anyway, yeah, the the answer is yes. I, I definitely like the new Star Trek movies. Um, that said, I do wish they would get back a little bit of that um, more cerebral content to them. So Robert Orkey, one of the producers um, from the, the, the newer movies, um, has been quoted as saying that the, the third movie is going to feel more like a Star Trek story than the first two have. Yeah. Um, also... J.J. Abrams is not directing. They brought in a new director. So Yeah, what's he doing these days? Um, <laughs> uh, my question to you, new director, will we see lens flares? I think they got to cut that down a little bit because, first off, I, do, I, I don't think that lens flares necessarily are bad, and I do think that it gives it a lot of what the feel of... Um, uh, uh, this movie has going for it. A lot of that is probably in the lens flare, whether you realize it or not. Um, so I think they're going to cut it down because they did get a little egregious. Like, it, I mean, it must have just been a fucking button. Like, J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams needs to make a directorial decision. What do I do? I hit the lens flare button, babe, because uh, that's the way we're going to go with this. Um, but uh, they they should cut it down, but I don't think they should entirely remove it. Um, that said, we've I have seen some fairly drastic differences in filmmaking and cinema technique. Um, the thing that I'm thinking of probably is the Bourne trilogy, where um, the original Bourne movie looks quite a bit different from the other two Bourne movies, if you go back and rewatch them. Um, and that wasn't bad. Uh, it, it's a little too shaky in the middle movie, but I think this is another example of they kind of figured that out, and by the third movie, uh, um, they, they settled into a nice happy medium. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I the cinematography is is one of the things about the newer movies that I've always been kind of hit or miss about because I think they I think you're right they they overuse the lens flares um, a little bit, but um, it'll be interesting because the I think the third movie is really going to make it or break it. Although there's there's going to be a fourth as well. I don't know if you've heard that. I haven't um, heard that yet, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, so assuming they can get all the actors back, like Zach Kinto, um, about midway through filming the second one, basically said he was ready to walk away from the character that he would fulfill his contractual obligation, which was the third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, he wanted to walk away, and I guess they renegotiated contract, and it gave um, Paramount the option for to option uh, both Chris Pine and Zach Kinto for a fourth movie and they've actually already signed on to do it so that's cool um just i don't know contractual like i always wonder about stuff like that like uh you have some actors who are clearly in love with the characters that play 
and, and you know some actors that are are sort of using that as a negotiating tactic. So it wouldn't surprise me if Zach's using that a little bit as a negotiating tactic. Like maybe he's fine to do another one, but he knows if he said that on tape that the sweet like, contract. Wait, wait, wait! You're Spock. You can't just walk away. I think it's I think it's also kind of important that if they're going to continue the franchise, that they. Um, try and get him to stay on board for as many films as possible, based largely on the fact that Nimoy's dead now. So he, yeah, he is Spock at this point. Yep, for sure. Um, and, and I, I, I think it would be really hard to, especially when to get to the fourth or fifth movie to recast him and not have it be, you know, like oh, that's when that 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 sand, that franchise got shitty. Yeah, it's kind of like when you listen to like the tenth and eleventh Iron Maiden albums, and you're like, man, that's not Bruce Dickinson at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking uh, the Batman series like oh yeah those are the good Batmans those are the bad ones like yeah I don't know but there was something to be said for the back credit card right oh yeah definitely <laughs> I think the thing that didn't that doesn't get talked about enough about motherfucking Schumacher like there's another you know just just stop just why did you do these things I, what's up with everything glowing when Schumacher directs. It's really upsetting because I, I've rewatched the '89 Batman and Batman Return or right, yeah. Returns. Yeah, Batman Returns. They're really good. They hold up really well. There's some camp. There's a little bit of cheese in there. That Re- I, Returns isn't my favorite, but I do think that Michelle Pfeiffer, her performance as Catwoman was probably over. The, I mean, it, it probably was better than any of the other performances in that movie. Yeah. Um. I, excepting I really, maybe Chris Walken. I really like both of those movies. Batman Forever falls off pretty hard. It okay. I do like a few things about Batman Forever, but fucking Batman and Robin. This Jesus is Christ. This is the problem. You take the first two, you have the same Batman, mm-hmm. and you have the same overall tone for what what is Gotham City. Yeah, and then that's the thing that there. That's exactly it. The tone, and then you take. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and all of a sudden everything's bright and flashy and it fucking glows and why? It's dark, it's drab, it's dreary, it's dangerous. That is like a quintessential characteristic of Gotham. I'm so glad that you managed that you got that cuz that is probably the biggest shift um from the first two to the second two in, in the the um early Batman movies that is just so completely obviously wrong in hindsight. Like, even in the day, they should have figured that shit out, I think, a little bit. Um, this is sort of going back to our, oh, you drink again, ba- uh, Superman color ma- color saturation, uh, yeah. Man of Steel. You just missed a big fucking point of the story, like, um, which is kind of funny, because by then we had the Bat- Batman the Animated Series, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, animated series was like right... 91, I think. Yeah, yeah so that would have been pre-Returns. I think Returns was 92. It was it was around the same time. Yeah. So anyway, we had Batman the Animated Series, and they fucking nailed this shit. Like, uh, the animated series, if I remember correctly, was shot or, or drawn on black paper rather than white paper because they got that the aesthetic should be dark. Um... um so to see that go completely the opposite direction in, in um, the next two Batman forever and, and Batman and Robin is just, just laughable. Like, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that the original, uh, um, you know, Tim Burton and doing Batman, like he was reading some of the darker comics and then 
when they got to Forever and R- Batman and Robin, which don't get me wrong, Batman Forever is leaps and bounds better than Batman and Robin. But I get the feeling when Schumacher went to that movie and was looking for source material, like he went straight back to Adam West and uh, um, you know the really early shit with the character. Or the, nah, I shouldn't say early. I think it was really the '60s. Like there's there was a comic uh, cover that posted or that I saw uh, fairly recently of Batman, um, and he's staked down in a sandy beach. And like Batman's one weakness: uh, loose sand. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like tied um, down with stakes, you know, attached to sand. Its original release was September 5th of '92. That was so yeah, it was right was... around the same time as as Batman. Uh, returns yeah i'm sure yeah no no i'm pretty sure returns is either 92 or 93 and i'm positive like no questions uh batman forever was 95 oh yeah i was in high school by the time and batman and robin was 98 so um yeah batman who schumacher should have done nothing more than just watch batman the animated series and 1989 and then gone from there yeah like it's just a shame like I'm really glad that Nolan came back and rebooted it and got it back to something. I'll, more I'll tell you what I liked Bat about Manny, about uh, forever, and and I'm gonna take shit for this, but I actually didn't think Chris O'Donnell sucked as Robin, and I liked the Robin costume they put in that movie because it was very reminiscent of the Tim Drake costume. Yeah, I'll give you that. Which was my favorite Robin. All so right. okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I actually didn't mind Chris O'Donnell as Robin either. I thought he would have been fine. The laundry thing was a little over the top. He, yeah, he just had some really fucking stupid scenes. Actually, yeah. I did like... This is another, you know... Depending on which way you lean, either cringy or kind of nice homage moment. When uh, they're getting close to the end of the movie and... and Holy uh, rusted metal, Batman? Yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going with it. Yeah. You either You either really liked that scene... Or you were like, oh, Jesus Christ. No, here's the thing, man. In this movie, okay, so it was shit for a couple different reasons. Schumacher's direction, obviously the biggest one of those reasons. But that movie actually had some character development. And that is that Robin wanted to kill Two-Face and whatnot. And, like, there was that internal conflict at the end of the movie and stuff. um, You know, where where the good guy won out Mm -hmm. uh, and, and things. But... So it wasn't like a complete shit movie because of that. The only problem is, is Kilmer, as much as he was really good at being Bruce Wayne, was kind of bad at being Batman. Yeah. Um, the opposite, of course, was true with Clooney. Clooney was actually okay as Batman. I mean, as okay as he could have been with the dialogue he was handed. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just... Oh, God. Just, but, oh, God. Yeah. But... He had the he had the he had the look under the cowl. It, it's actually really sad because I think Clooney, especially Clo- Clooney's a really fucking good actor. Like I don't think we're gonna argue that Clooney could have been a really good Batman. Like if you stuck Clooney in in uh, um, Nolan's incarnation, or if you stuck Clooney in even I, I'm fairly confident to say uh, Snyder's incarnation of Batman, Clooney would have been probably pretty fucking amazing. In a mostly serious role, Clooney could have pulled off a Dark Knight Returns type Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah, Batman. he would have been badass, but. I mean, Jesus Christ, you take one of the best actors we've got of the generation and, and. You feel bad for the guy because if you ask him, and he's been quoted as saying this too, if you ask him, he'll tell you that he killed the Batman franchise. 
Oh yeah. And but it's not really his fault. Like it's it was a shitty script, shitty direction. No, and all, there's nothing he could have done from the inside to change it. All of Clooney's um, comments, I think I've heard about Batman and Robin, have been pretty self-deprecating. Like, um, like you said, he killed the franchise. I think he said something like, "I keep a Batman and Robin poster up in my office to remind me what goes wrong when you just take a big paycheck." Yeah. Uh, um, without actually looking at the thing. So, uh, yeah, no, Clooney. Clooney, he's a smart dude. Um, he's always he's probably always been a smart dude in some respect or another. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he totally gets that. But it, it's just another example of man, what just what were you thinking? And it doesn't matter what Clooney does to change it. You're still gonna have on the opposite side of that coin. Ah, freeze. Yeah, just I don't know. This is another you know like um like really what was Patrick Stewart doing? Like why couldn't he be Mister Freeze during that? Oh, you son of a bitch! Like now that I see that, like. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like that that is such a natural like oh man. I'm I'm now I'm really upset because even like <laughs> this this never occurred to you before. Fuck. Yeah, no. Uh Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking never made sense. Like th- this is th- okay, here's the real problem with Batman and Robin. The real deep down quintessential problem with Batman and Robin. Nobody wanted to tell a good story. Nobody wanted to do anything with this movie other than make a fuck ton of money. And so they slammed every stupid Hollywood cliche you can think of into the movie, including getting a bunch of gigantic name actors to play roles that make no fucking sense whatsoever. Like, um, and you probably just nailed it the most. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Jesus Christ. There was another villain in that one, right? Bane, I think, was... Oh, yeah. Fuck that. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's one of the biggest glaring fucking pieces of shit of that movie is Bane. And as much as you make fun of his voice in, in the, the Chris Nolan version, if you go back to the comic book origins, Bane is the only fucking supervillain that's ever been smart enough to just wear Batman down and figure out who he is and just go fuck him up. Yeah. He's not an idiot. That's that that's... and that's the way they portrayed him in the movie. He was just the oh, yeah, you know, Ben smiles, run, yeah. Ben, Batman, bad, you know. Yeah. Oh man, like once again, we're back to you know, like just what a clusterfuck of a movie. Like, what have you never even seen a Batman comic for Christ's sake? Like, th- this is another one of those things. Like, one of the other things that I criticize pretty heavily is when you see technology used in film because it would take you like five seconds to get the nerdy kid you know down the block to come in and say, "No, seriously, what you're saying is fucking retarded." Like, yeah. What, what you're doing on screen right now is so stupid, we're going to laugh at you very hard, and it takes us out of the movie. Yeah, and go ask the guy at the people. fucking craft services table. Right. But <laughs> he knows right now that you do not hack into the DoD by guessing that the password is secret. You know, like, that that kind of level of just completely wonky, bullshit, stupid. Um, and it's fairly easy. Like, you can make up some really pretty legitimate techno-sounding uh, babble um, that doesn't, you know, absolutely destroy the movie for nerds, but it, it, it's that level of stupid to me, like, where you take this character that, just as you said, is very different. I mean, certainly Bane's, you know, like, they're all superheroes and supervillains and stuff like that, so they've all kind of got their shtick as far as, like, physical power goes. But you're right, Bane, one of the big things about Bane was just, he was an intellect. He was an intellect to combat Batman. I'm gonna, I'm gonna... In terms of techno babble that gets inserted into into movies a whole lot, I'm gonna I'm gonna call back to Jurassic Park for a minute. 
ending, Lexi sitting at the computer. It's a Unix system. I know this. Yeah. More convincing than half of what you see today. Yeah. It would have been better if they actually showed her at a command line, especially in 1993, but whatever. Yeah, but they wanted to use their neat Macintosh yeah. <laughs> computers. So, somebody has to get their their uh, graphic design budget out of here. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But somebody pointed out, um, I think I've read this somewhere. I have no idea how long it's I think been. Those but Power Macs, even. Somebody, I think, pointed out that that graphical manager she was using at the time wasn't incredibly far removed from reality. No. Except for the fact that, no, if you were going to use a Unix system at that point, and really even still, most of the time, if you're talking about, you know, like if you're going to call out specifically Unix, or probably nowadays it'd be Linux. Yeah, you're talking about Red Hat or CentOS or something like that. Um, You'd be at a command line prompt, probably. Or at just a completely normal looking. This is another thing, like open source exists. Like, please show me like something that looks anything like a normal desktop environment. Like, stop coming up with these stupid ass fucking computer you know like all green letters appear in in 18 point font on the screen type of uh window environments and things like that my favorite is when you'll see like a dell monitor yeah or or a laptop that'll have a big dell logo on and then then when they flash around the beginning it's totally a macbook yeah (laughs) like you're rough rough like you're like really (laughs) that cracks like you just didn't want to pay apple And they've usually got some stupid like sticker over it, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is actually again. I have kids, so this is fine. But iCarly and all the Nickelodeon shows with their pair pair pads and pair books and stuff like that. Love that stuff. Yeah. How right. far off track have we gotten? This is. Yeah, we are two hours in, and we've completely lost the plot. So I think we're gonna close the show. All right. Um. Don't forget to email your questions. Questions at whatever like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever show. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com, uh, or just at whatever show um, is probably the way that we do this in yeah, modern at times. whatever show. Follow the fuck out of us. We'll maybe even follow you back and retweet you sometimes. Yeah. Well, if you say smart stuff, if you say stupid stuff, we probably just laugh and then move on. But if you say stupid stuff, then we'll tag some of our friends in it when we yeah. reply. Like, no, seriously, this guy thought that Schumacher did a fine job in Batman and Robin. <laughs> and then. <laughs> We'll also send legions. I'm just kidding. None of none of that. There's not a person like that that exists. If there were, though, we would send legions of nerds to your doorstep. Yeah, like the internet disagrees. All of it. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure my nine year old daughter would kick you in the balls if you said that. Yeah. Fuck you. We don't say that in the house. Get back to blaspheming God or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We don't care about that. Yeah. All Schumacher right. shit though. All okay. right, everybody. Have a good week. Yep. Later.